Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Monday, June 12th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that they start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, And if you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the reality management worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the drag-on Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. People do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives when they actively engage the use of these tools in their lives. Secondarily, it also attempts to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we appreciate you doing that by giving us a call at 563-999-3581. 
call that number and press 1 on your phone. It'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll see that. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. And then we can have a conversation. What would be of service to you? How can we support you? It is a delight to be able to share these tools and share what has dramatically improved the quality of my life over the past almost 19 years now. And to be around when people choose to do the same. We have shared books. We have shared stories of using the worksheet processes. We've shared experiences in the MindShifter support group. And we'd be happy to share some more with you. If you're listening in the archives and you would like to give us some feedback or ask a question, you may email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org or you can email Jeannie at j-e-a-n-i-e at yagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n.org. And if we get comment or question in the email, we'll do our best to answer it, discuss the issues, and then um, as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time we were able to address that on the Internet show, and you can listen back into the archives to hear the feedback. I um, just had someone from a long time ago um, reach out and ask for the information about how to join the the mind shifter support groups and all the information you would need to join those groups is available on mindshiftersacademy.org and on that website there are um, two different pages one for the Tuesday support group and one for the Thursday support group. And I like to remind people that separate login information for each day. So please use the right one if you're going to join us or if you're going to pass the information along to somebody else. Please let us know if there's any difficulty. Uh, you can use the same email to reach out to me if you have any difficulty getting uh, contacting the uh, support group on Tuesday or Thursday night. That is um, tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. That's the email if you have any difficulty finding the login for the support group or if anybody you're pass that along to has difficulty, that's the best way to reach me, even during the time of the support group. So, how can we support you today? What's on your mind? I have been noticing some strange comings and goings on the uh, switchboard, and I'm wondering if we're 
being heard. So if we're being heard, good. <laughs> How would you know that I'm asking for feedback on whether or not we're being heard? So I had a, um, we have been doing some reading from the A Walk in the Physical is a book, and um, that book by Christian Sundberg is um, very, very much in line with a lot of the things we're talking about from the year before last when we read the Course in Miracles lessons. And um, last year when we read The Way of Mastery Lessons, and I have heard from a couple people that they are enjoying going back and listening to The Way of Mastery Lessons with the temporary... um, I didn't mean to say temporary, I meant to say with the commentary. And um, someone texted and said there's static and strange noise. So hold on a minute, I will hang up and call back in. So I'm reconnected and I will continue hopefully with a better noise quality or less noise and static. And I was talking about going back to read from the book A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg. And I was also mentioning that several people have told me they're they're going back and listening to last last year's um lessons. readings of the lesson with commentary and all of that's available on mindshiftersacademy.org as a website and um, it's a bit unwieldy Uh, I was reminded over the weekend when I tried to listen back to some of them that it takes a long time to load that page because I put so many files on the same page so as time allows and my attention span is directed in that area, I will parse that out differently so that the page loads faster and is less material on on each page. So, the next essay I want to read from um, Christian Sundberg's book, A Walk in the Physical, is titled untying the preciousness of self from form. Understanding that what is precious about you is not your physical scent, your height, your weight, um, your, your humor, your... What is precious about you is not tied to your physical form. And that's what's implied in this title. And it's part of what 
the the deep message that's woven into a course in miracles on the way of mastery and this essay reads each of us intuitively senses the preciousness of our own being however the sense of preciousness we often assign to or seem to find within the forms of our lives actually transcends that form but we often make the mistake of thinking that preciousness is a characteristic of form itself you're precious to me because you're so cute you're precious to me because you treat me nicely you're precious to me because I love your hair color or you always keep your body so clean or because you wear the the best clothes that's the false attribution of value to form but this essay says we sense the preciousness of our being and then because we all consciously remember because all that we can consciously remember is our physical human identity we tie that sense of preciousness to certain aspects of our identity for example, we may feel innate preciousness when we consider our religious or national identity or when we behold the beauty of the human body or as we take pride in learned behavior or personal human traits that we feel are what make us, quote, who we are, close quotes. The essay goes on and says, there's nothing wrong with sensing the preciousness of the spirit within the many wondrous forms of our lives. In fact, we come here in part to do just that. But as beings who have become somewhat lost in the forms of the physical universe, it can also be helpful to recognize that the preciousness that we are exists fully unto itself we do not need to the form to be who we are because we are ultimately not beings of form we created form it did not create us we are life and life engages and entertains form and expands itself through the experience of form Life does not need a religious identity, a national identity. It doesn't need a body. It doesn't need human characteristics to exist. Rather, those things need life in order to exist. So the preciousness that you sense in your life is you, is your true nature. preciousness that you sense in your life is you the preciousness that you sense in your life is your wonderful fellow spirits the profound preciousness that you sense within everything in your life is God by whatever name you choose to call him her it them 
as you recognize this, you naturally begin to untie yourself from the form which seems to capture the preciousness of life. And as you allow yourself to rely less on form to find your sense of fulfillment, you return closer to the perfect freedom and joy that you truly are. This lies beneath all of the meaningful distractions of physical life. You return closer to the perfect freedom and joy that you truly are as you allow yourself to rely less on form and just sit with the preciousness that is you, the preciousness that is the energy of life expressing in, through, as, and around you and in, through, as, and around everyone you see who seemingly is separate from you, who seems separate from you because you're creating a perception based on the tiny little bit of input you get from your five physical senses. So, our call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. I mentioned briefly that I'm reading from the book by Christian Sundberg titled A Walk in the Physical because it is so in alignment with everything we've read, observed for ourselves, and practiced questioning from A Course in Miracles and The Way of Mastery and Guy Finley and so many other things that we listen to or you might say study in the support groups we've been doing. And recently somebody sent me the a paper by Thomas Golas, G-O-L-A-S. It's titled, The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. And it's 24 pages in length, maybe 25. And the essence of this writing is almost step for step exactly what these other great teachings are trying to get us to observe. We are all equal beings and the universe is comprised of our relations with each other. The universe is made up of one kind of entity. Each one is alive. Each determines the course of his own existence. That's really all you need to know to understand this book or to write your own book. 
the universe is made up of one kind of being. Everyone is the same. We're all in this as consciousness, together and connected, whether we realize it or not. And in this paper, he talks about how the only difference between the the experiences one being creates and the experience another being creates is the degree to which that being is either sitting in expansion or contraction. Excuse me, contraction. A completely expanded being is the same thing as what we now call space. And a deeply contracted being is one who is feeling all of the negative emotions. One who feels themselves to be nothing but a solid physical hunk of energy. The degree to which a being is contracted, that being is unable to be in the same place with others, And so contraction is felt as fear, pain, unconsciousness, ignorance, hatred, evil, and a host of strange feelings. At an extreme, the contracted being has the feeling of being completely insane. And he or she resists everyone and everything and feels like they are unable to choose the content of their own consciousness. But these are just the feelings that are appropriate to the mass vibration levels, and that person can get out of them anytime they choose by simply expanding, by letting go of all resistance to what he or she thinks, sees, and feels. When a being is alternating, Expansion and contraction, that being is energy. My guess is that in the middle point, 50% expansion, 50% contraction, a being would be logical, non-subjective, egoless, and predictable. So you are the same as everyone that you interact with. There is no separation. Your specialness is not tied to your form, to to come back to the SA-105 from A Walk in the Physical. You don't experience anything outside of your own choice. That's the first axiom from a way of mastery. And it's echoed in a variety of different ways in this paper by Mr. Golas. So what do you need to do to begin to experience yourself, your life, 
differently, as more loving, more joyful, more flexible, more expansive. You need to choose what you're pouring your mind energy into. You need to move from belief and thought as knowledge to observation. How willing are you to question everything you think you know? How willing are you to experience yourself as not knowing? The degree to which you're willing to experience yourself as not knowing is the same degree to which you are open to learning. And the degree to which you think you know is the degree to which you're stuck. How does it work? How can you learn to live more in a question? It is a process, I think most everybody who studies this stuff would say everybody can master. Is it absolutely true that anybody and everybody can do this? I do not know. It is important for you, if you're going to be able to learn anything new, that you open yourself to questioning whether or not you can so that you can practice, you can try, you can expand rather than contract into the knowing. This is our point over and over and over again. When I say, I know, I don't know. Can I open myself up? And what happens when I start to open myself up and then fear comes up? You know, part of me wants to weave this into the book by Richard C. Schwartz on we, you are the one you've been waiting for. In his book, he talks about the parts of us that are created at different times in our lives when we are feeling overwhelmed. And a part of me is uh, created, is um, formed as a pattern of thought and reaction that helps me maintain sanity and go through something that feels to me at that point in time as though it's too big for me to deal with. So I I splinter off, I dissociate, I feel like I'm falling apart, and some other part of me that feels stronger comes up and seems to be separated from the fearful wounded part of me and takes charge to try and change the way things are unfolding or change the way I experience them. Uh, 
So we all, according to that theory, the internal family system theory, we all have a wide variety of parts. Every one of them was created in response to a perceived need on our part. Every one of them was attempting to be helpful. So whenever they get activated, whenever they get resonated into activity today, and I don't like them because it, I feel weak or I feel stupid or I'm crying or I feel scared, and I say I hate this feeling of being scared, I, I hate my anxiety, the more I let the feelings, the negative feelings resonate in me, the more difficult it is for me to help heal the wounded part of me. Literally, the answer here is to embrace, to comfort, to extend love to, to extend respect to, and communicate with the part of me that's scared, the part of me that's confused, the part of me that's hurt, the part of me that's raging. And yet, what most of us are conditioned to do in our culture and our family is the opposite. Run from it, pretend it's not there, blame its experience on other people and things, none of which is productive, but all of which are things my culture conditions me to do. So, what's, what's your willingness to feel whatever comes up in you as upsetting, as fearful, as hurtful, and embrace it lovingly rather than try to uh, call somebody and arrange an exorcism. That's essentially what most of us are trained to do is try to get rid of, try to stay disconnected from, try to blame on others whatever it is we're feeling that's less than loving. And the, the hope, the question, the, the path that leads to potential healing and resolution is to embrace those parts of me that are hurt and wounded and feeling less than loving and to move into questioning internally how is it that this part came into being how is it that this pattern of worry or rage or hurt or confusion or depression or anxiety came into being and the more I can actively work to understand it and embrace it the more chance I can create a different pattern of response and be more productive in the way I deal with life as it comes to me. 
610-610-Susan, I believe. Hi. Well, you've got your finger right on a very important issue and something I've been fussing about in that Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. He mentioned, this is that essay for anybody who's wondering, um, he mentioned an LSD trip that he was taking where it went really sour and a lot of dark, ugly, bad feelings were brought up as he was having this LSD trip. And I know we don't talk about or recommend doing that, but this is his what he was doing. <clears throat> and then it occurred to him in this, while he was having this bad experience, it occurred to him that he should love those ugly entities. And probably he said he, to love himself for having them. I don't remember. To me, that was a tremendous liberating suggestion. But a weird thing has been happening with me is, okay, suddenly I have permission to acknowledge dark stuff, low vibration. He calls it low vibrations in myself. And I'm thinking, okay, here, here they can come because it's all okay. I just need to love myself for it. And I went ahead and had a morning where it was as if every dark, mean, ugly, judging, disgusted feeling toward one person in particular who I was trying to work with, and I won't go into what that was, but there was no reason for me to feel this way except that what it's giving me is all of the worksheets I need to do because suddenly... I've got permission to let these demons out because I can choose to love them. They deserve love. Love is the answer for them. I'm not feeling any love toward them yet. I'm just lining them up. And we talk about going into another vibration where you can choose love. Yes, I'm choosing it, but it's nothing but an intellectual exercise at this point. I'm just saying Okay, there I go, having that nasty thought, judging thought. And I can see how a lot of them come from fear about my own fragility, mortality, ineptitude. But it doesn't come to that right away. It goes to the other person and blames the other person for for doing or seeming or being a certain way. I know I'm being a little abstract, but I don't know if anything about what I said could... Well, but if if, if what you're saying at the bottom line is that it's giving you permission to be gentle with yourself and, and do those worksheets, then that's good. If you're somehow saying that that's keeping you stuck, that's not so good. Well, yeah, and which, that's which what path I are you right saying now. is happening? Well, I'm stuck in the stuck, but I can see the way out of the stuck. I'm just not doing it yet. I came home from doing a lot of errands, <clears throat> driving a friend around who needed whose car is not functioning and who needed help with this and that, and uh, anyway, I was in a state of 
tremendous. I was perfectly nice, but I could think if people are intuitive at all, they won't feel very good around me. They won't feel that my my kindness or whatever it is that I'm showing is really sincere. I can't concern myself with how I come across. All I can do is try to do my homework. But the first thing about this essay is it gave, yes, it gave permission to to love myself. But before that, it gave permission to bring out the dark stuff, which I've evidently been sitting on because it seemed too awful to bring out and then love. So it's coming out and it's just not nice right now. And I'm not feeling very loving at all. It's nice to be able to talk to you about it. <laughs> I certainly couldn't mention that to my person that I was driving around. <clears throat> oh, geez. Well, anyway. Well, the idea is that it's always in there, right? Everything about us has always been in there, whether we like it or not, whether we're ashamed of it or not. My trying to hide it from myself doesn't change its essence or my essence. Mm-hmm. No. It changes my idea of myself, though, quite a lot. Sure. I've but, had, it, you know, my, had, but your idea about yourself is not the same as yourself. You are not your thoughts about you. Thanks for reminding me about that. That's very nice to hear. I'm hoping they're a lot better then. Yeah. Well, the essence, as it talks about in in that essay and in, in what I was just reading from uh, A Walk in the Physical, is that your precious specialness is not tied to your thoughts. It's not tied to any kind of form. It's not tied to your body. It's not tied to your thoughts. It's not tied to your past actions. It's your essence as consciousness. Right. But we want to bring out that essence. We want to be with and present that essence in the world. Meanwhile, whatever I am, ultimately, precious, whatever it is, it's not evident right now. Evident is something of a very low vibration. As uh, John Brighton in in my support group is the one that sent me this article, and he talks about vibration. I never understood vibration as being so easily discerned, but maybe it was this article or maybe it was John who said, look, if you're mad, you're scared, uh, whatever it is, those those things, those are low vibration things. And when you're feeling expanded and loving, you're in a high va- vibration and you have some control over that. Well, at this point, I understand that intellectually. I don't feel as if I have really much control about that at all, except to practice, to start practicing, saying, oh, there I go again. I'm doing that thing. I guess I better love myself even more which is a good exercise. It's not bearing any feeling truth or or satisfaction. It's an exercise. And maybe the wake-up sheets will help that, but I haven't gotten that far. One of the ways that Matt Kahn talks about it is to say, you know, people talk about all this vibrational stuff, and what's probably more accurate is to say your essence is 
always vibrating at, at, at its true nature, which is a very high loving vibration. But what you're focusing on with your conscious logical mind or what you believe about yourself, your mistaken thoughts about yourself can be very different, but it never changes your essence, which is another way of mm-hmm. saying what the course, not the course, but this, uh, you know, a walk in the physical was saying about your true nature and how it's never been, you know, um, the way I like to say it is never chipped, dented, rusted, faded, or broken in any way. You mm. remain as you are created to be. This is one of the things that is said over and over again in the way of mastery. The truth that is true always. You are, you remain as you are created to be. None of this changes. My thoughts about myself, my mistakes in the past, this is the kind of thing that a lot of people, physical beings, get really tri- um, tri- tripped up on because they want to think, you know, people like Hitler and people like, you know, mass murderers, they're going to be punished and they're going to rot in hell and they're going to get their... And they they are comforted by that sense that there's going to be some external justice. But that same dynamic has them terrified that they're going to be suffering in hell for their missteps and and the the great teachings are trying to say look it just doesn't work that way it's only that way in our our judgments about ourselves at this physical level and we don't need to make this life on earth a living hell by focusing on fear or giving you know value to fear when in truth, fear is just a distortion of that same energy, the energy of creation, some would call love. It's a misperception of it. It's a mislabeling of it. It's a redirecting of it. But all there is is the truth about you is you're whole and complete as you are. And this pathway that you're on is going to you know, run its course and you're going to be where you're going to be the only determined the only thing you have to determine is how much of this energy while you're here in the physical are you going to be spending on negative thoughts and beliefs about yourself but none of your negative thoughts and beliefs about yourself change your true nature in any way hmm. this is part of what is over and over again in this paper by mr golas is you don't have to panic. You don't have to worry. You are the universe. The universe is you. There's learning to be done. If you want to do it now, it'll happen again later. If you don't want to do it now, are you getting that message when you're reading this thing? I am, but if I not, don't. Okay, I well, am. Yeah. Okay. But that that idea, you know, that I don't feel it yet is, okay, well, that's because you've got decades of momentum for thoughts that are pretty much directly opposite that. And you've Mm -hmm. got how many days have you had this paper that you've been reading? (laughs) 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 Right? You've got got just a few years of work with The Course in Miracles and Way of Mastery and Michael's work. So, you know, I would be patient with yourself to whatever degree you can and understand that 
the momentum that you've created is substantial in this negative thought pattern. And it may take a while to slow that momentum down and create a new momentum in a more positive, hopeful, accepting, (laughs) wide-open way. Well, this article is sort of like lancing a, a boil or something. So maybe this is a good sign. I did have a question and the pages aren't numbered, so I can't tell you what page. It's toward the beginning. It says, whatever you are thinking, love yourself for thinking it. Love is the only dimension that needs to be changed. I didn't understand what he meant. The words say it's the only dimension that needs to be changed. I don't know exactly what he's referring to either. I'd need more context. But yeah. if 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 I stay with the context that you presented so far, which says even if you have a thought that isn't so loving, love yourself for thinking it, I would just tie that into this whole idea of you know, what he's saying from the forward on, that you're, you're a part of the energy of the universe. And so any flow of energy through you at any level is is okay, right? It's like uh, the way of mastery saying all events are neutral. Mm. And your true nature is not changed because you choose to focus your thoughts in something that's of contraction or anger or hurt. And so just celebrate the life that is you that is flowing through you rather than pour a lot of mind energy into the negative thoughts or beat yourself mm-hmm. up for having them right it's like it's like that seventh that second second suffering right the first suffering is this thing that happens that I don't want to have happen or this thing I do that I judge as less than loving. And then the second level of suffering in the Buddhist tradition is how I beat myself up for not being perfect or I beat myself up for doing that thing that I'm labeling as negative. That's what I think of when you say, even if I think this negative thing, love myself for thinking it. Mm. Step back from the content of the thought and appreciate that the experience of thought is your essence having an experience of life. So celebrate life, because as he says, you are life. We are equal beings, and the universe is our relations with each other. The universe is made up of one kind of entity, Everybody is the same kind of entity. Each one is alive, and each one determines its own existence. The universe is made up of one kind of whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, which cannot be defined. And for our purpose, it isn't necessary to define it. All we need to do is assume that there is only one kind of whatever it is, and see if this leads to a reasonable explanation for the world as we know it. 
right? The basic function of each being is expanding and contracting. Expanding beings are permeative. Contracted beings are dense and impermeative. Therefore, each one of us, alone or in combination, we might appear as space, energy, or mass, depending upon the ratio of expansion or contraction that we have chosen in that moment and what kind of vibrations each of us expresses by alternating between expansion and contraction. Each being, aware of it or not, controls his or her own vibrations. A completely expanded being is the same as what we call space. Right? We call it the vacuum of space, Remember, we've talked about this before. There's science that says it's not a vacuum. There's more energy potential in one cubic centimeter of space. than, And what we call the vacuum of space, there's more energy potential there than there is in all the mass of the known universe. What does that mean? That's, that's gobbledygook, except it means mm-hmm. there is no such thing as nothingness right because what we call things is just a different part of energy or a different state of energy that's been so lowered as to become perceptible to the senses there is no matter everything is energy and so celebrate your being as awareness that you can experience energy whether it's your thoughts or the physical sensations or whatever and don't get so hooked on labeling your thoughts as bad or wrong or negative. Take a step back from them and just revel in and create delight and joy in the fact that you are conscious at all, that you are consciousness as your essence. That's what I would say without knowing more of the context and without getting too hung up on the words. Because remember... The idea that we've had in so many of these great teachings is that we're using words to try and talk about things that go way beyond words each heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't get too hung up on, he's saying that love is the dimension that needs to be changed. I wouldn't get hung up on that. Okay. Yeah. You know, I was telling you I was going to have a conversation with that friend I was talking about the other day on the radio show. And before I had that talk with her, I read this sentence also in this Thaddeus Golas book or essay. He says, no one in truth needs any help from anyone else. No one needs to be told anything or given anything. And I thought, okay, that was a wonderful answer. Uh, It just helped me in the position that I already have. Anyway, that's sort of off on a side. There are a lot of... as, As soon as you say that, I think about Guy Finley talking about everything in scale. So when you're talking about the absolute essence of things like this Thaddeus Golis letter is talking about. 
then that's absolutely true. No, nobody needs to be told anything, right? Each of us is the same kind of being capable of outflowing attention and awareness or withdrawing it, and all that we do and all that we need to do is just give full, permissive, loving attention to absolutely anything that we see in our minds and our bodies and our environments and other people. At, an, at a certain level of scale, that's absolutely true. And mm-hmm. at another level of scale, if I'm in an interaction with somebody and we're here in these physical bodies and he or she thinks that I'm disrespecting them or that I don't have an ability to see us as equals, then it might be quite useful for me to say different things. Mm. Rather than assume that they could read my mind or that they're reading the same spiritual books as I am and trying to apply them. I would just caution you to try and use some of these things that you're reading, especially in in a paper like this from Thaddeus Golis, and translate it literally into your interactions with others. Because if you're looking for permission to avoid an interaction with that person, any excuse will do. An excuse doesn't have (laughs) to be valid in order for you to use it. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that Gola says in this article reminded me of Sunberg, although Sunberg is much more delicate. Uh, Gola says, physical reality is one of the biggest horror movies of all. And you know how we love horror movies. I just thought that was great. He is so much like Sunberg. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very much the same thing. The entire universe is made up of being just like ourselves. Every particle in every atom is a live being. Every molecule or cell is a tribe of beings. Energy is a large number of us vibrating together. Space is an infinite number of our brothers and sisters in perfect bliss. There's no important difference between live and dead matter since we're both made up of live entities. Not only is mass convertible into energy, but energy is convertible into space and vice versa. It's our own withdrawal from our awareness of our own condition that makes us see our brothers and sisters as objective matter, as out there. And we're always going to have the experiences and perceptions that are appropriate to our vibrational level. The same rule applies to all of us. The rules do not come from anywhere outside of us. They come from the truth that we are all equal and that we all have the same range of possible behavior and experience. I love this sentence. He says, you will not be able to rise above your present vibration level until you love the way you are now. There's a typo in that sentence, so I stopped. But um, I'll read yeah, it the way it's written. Wisdom. What's that? Yeah. Ancient wisdom. 
right? I, I can't fix a problem that I won't face. And I can't face something directly if I'm labeling it, judging it, criticizing it, complaining about it, running from it. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Matt Kahn. He came to mind just, I was just going along and I was re- reminded of the title, whatever, whatever. Whatever arises, love that. Love that. Arises, whatever arises, yeah. love that. That's his book title and, of course, the title of one or more of his talks. Because Loving everything it. is connected and everything is just the flow of life. Mm. The word love has been a stumbling block to me because it implies the feeling. So, I, and I haven't found, I mean, allow and be curious are wonderful substitutes, but allowing is a judgment. I'm allowing this to happen, even though it shouldn't no, be happening. Lisa. No, no, you don't, you, you don't have to turn that into a judgment, right? You can make it be the opposite of a judgment. Remember, these words only have the meanings that our brains assign to them. Mm-hmm, and that's what I assigned. So, and yeah. and, what, and what we're what we're encouraged to do in the, from the way of mastery and these and course in miracles and things is assign a meaning to the word allowance that's more in line with I'm going to remain vigilant for the earliest warning signs within myself that I'm getting tight or contracted or judgmental in any way, and I'm going to breathe into it and release that tightness, that tension, and that contraction. Mm. And if you give that definition to the word allowance, now you're not saying allowance is like judging. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to... to you know, go back in uh, in the way of mastery or listen to some of those talks that we did last year. Love allows all things, embraces all things, trusts all things, accepts all things, allows all things, and that's how it transcends all things. That's literally a definition of love Mm. is this openness and acceptance and allowance. That's great. I had forgotten that. That's really good. You know, Thaddeus Golas actually read first part of this essay, his introduction or something, on a YouTube. If you type in his name, it's wonderful to hear his voice and to hear how he how he reads what he wrote. Um, it's G O L I A S G O L A S for the people, and Thaddeus is his first name. If anybody wanted to listen to that, and and the title of the essay is "The Lazy Man's Enlightenment." The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. Don't you love it? That's for me. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for the call and the questions. As always, I'll mute you so you can listen to our second hour. Thank you again. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I will turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Appreciate You're you. welcome. Have, you have a wonderful show. Thank you.
Welcome everybody to the second hour of Mind Shifters Radio and today is Monday, June the 12th, 2023 and our calling number is 563-999-3581 and press 1 and that puts you in the queue to talk to us and we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. We'll give Michael a moment to dial in and I'm going to flip over. It's been a busy morning this morning. All right. This chapter is called Infinite Energy. And this is chapter number five. And it's out of a book called Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. So we'll get through the last part of this chapter. We've been talking about um, closing up and keeping the energy from flowing or being open and letting the energy flow and that we have a choice in it. So what you'll find, hold on half a second. Aria just asked me to turn something on for her. Well, there we go. Let it give it a minute to get on. Okay. So what you'll find is that the only thing you really want from life is to feel enthusiasm, joy, and love. If you can feel that all the time, then who cares what happens outside? If you can always feel up, if you can always feel excited about the experience of the moment, then it doesn't make any difference what the experience is. No matter what it is, it's beautiful when you feel that way inside. So you can learn to stay open no matter what happens. If you do, you get for free what everybody else is struggling for, love, enthusiasm, excitement, and energy. You simply realize that defining what you need in order to stay open actually ends up limiting you. If you make lists of how the world must be for you to be open, you have limited your openness to those conditions. Better to be open no matter what. That makes me think of, um, you know, I share the story all the time of in the scriptures, there was this awful storm and the disciples were in a boat and they were afraid and then they saw Yeshua, Jesus, walking on water and Peter's like, if you ask me to step out, then I know I can walk on water too. And so Jesus tells him to come on and step out and he does and he walks on water. Now nothing has changed in the storm. The storm is still raging and the boat's still rocking and everything just like it was before. But because he has his focus on the master, he's walking on water. He's walking above the storm. The storm hasn't changed. That happens in our life. You know, we all have storms and it's up to us whether we walk on water or walk above it or whether we sink because that's what happened to Peter when he started looking around. He's like, oh, no, this storm... And then he sank because he changed his focus. So that's what that that chapter or that paragraph reminds me of. So how you learn to stay open is up to you. The ultimate trick is to not close. If you don't close, you will have learned to stay open. Do not let anything that happens in life be important enough that you're willing to close your heart over it. When your heart starts to close, just say, nope, I am going to... I am not going to close. I am going to stay open. I am going to relax. I am going to let this situation take place and be there with it. Honor and respect the situation and deal with it. 
by all means, deal with it. Do the best you can. But deal with it with openness. Deal with it with excitement and enthusiasm. No matter what it is, just let, let it be the sport of the day. In time, you will find that you forget how to close. No matter what anyone does, no matter what situation takes place, you won't even feel the tendency to close. That would be nice, wouldn't it? You will just embrace life with all your heart and soul. Once you've attained this very high state, which is what we call staying in the state of love, being love, you will just embrace life with all your heart and soul. Once you've attained this very high state, your energy level will be phenomenal. You will have all the energy you need at all times. Just relax and open, and tremendous energy will rush up inside of you. You are only limited by your ability to stay open. If you really want to stay open, pay attention when you feel love and enthusiasm. Then ask yourself why you can't feel this all the time. Why does it have to go away? The answer is obvious. It only goes away if you choose to close. By closing, you are actually making the choice not to feel openness and love. You throw love away all the time. You feel love until somebody says something you don't like. In other words, your goal is not fulfilled. And then you give up the love. You feel enthused about your job until someone criticizes something, and then you want to quit. It's your choice. You can either close because you don't like what happened, or you can keep feeling love and enthusiasm by not closing. As long as you are defining what you like and what you don't like, you will open and close. You are actually defining your limits. You are allowing your mind to create triggers that open and close you. Let go of that. Dare to be different. Enjoy all of life. The more you stay open, the more the energy flow can build. At some point, so much energy comes into you that it starts flowing out of you. You feel it as waves pouring Excuse me. You feel it as waves. I had to move and I lost my position. Excuse me. You feel it as waves pouring off of you. You can actually feel it flowing off your hands, out of your heart, through other energy centers. All these energy centers open and a tremendous amount of energy starts flowing out of you. What is more, the energy affects other people. People can pick up on your energy, and you're feeding them with this flow. If you are willing to open even more, it never stops. You become a source of light for all those around you. Just keep opening and not closing. Wait until you see what happens to you. You can even affect the health of your body with your energy flow. When you start to feel the tendency of an illness coming on, My apologies. When you start to feel the tendency of an illness coming on, you just relax and open. When you open, you bring more energy into the system, and it can heal. Energy can heal, and that is why love can heal. As you explore your inner energy, a whole world of discovery opens up to you. The most important thing in life is your inner energy. If you're always tired and never enthused, then life is no fun. 
But if you're always inspired and filled with energy, then every minute of every day is an exciting experience. Learn to walk with these things through meditation, through awareness, and willful efforts. And then I would add to that forgiveness. You can learn to keep your centers open. You do this by just relaxing and releasing or forgiving. You do this by not buying into the concept that there is anything worth closing over. Remember, if you love life, nothing is worth closing over. Nothing ever is worth closing your heart over. And I'm going to say welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. And it's interesting the way that, uh, that Michael's writing that. Basically, what he's talking about are what are your goals? And if you allow a goal that relates to some form of hostility or fear to be active in your mind, then what he's calling closing down, I would call it the giving up of the presence of yourself as love, happens. And that we can stay in that connected space of conscious, active, present love no matter what's going on in the world, unless we have a goal that links to some form of hostility or fear in the mind, and then that goal activate, resonate, whatever that hostility or fear is, and tend to create that shutdown of energy. And so the canceling of the goal, and that the primary goal becomes living as a human being, living as the presence of love becomes key. So I'm with Michael on that, and what I have in my mind this today is, um, so I was talking to someone earlier in the week, and they sent me a link to a video, and this video, it, it, the, um, the fact that the human mind is an evidential device, is something that really needs to be understood. And when you start pursuing a particular goal, the mind will tend to collect evidence to back that goal up. So they'd ask me if I'd watched a particular, uh, what should I say, what's it called? A uh, conspiracy theory video. And I said, well, no, actually, I looked at that a couple of years ago, and it seemed that there were just too many uh, objectives besides truth. There was an agenda, and I looked at some of the people who were in it, and it just you know, didn't seem like the agenda was truth. So I said, no, I hadn't watched it, and they asked me if I would, so I've, I've been listening to it. And so I was out this morning where getting ready to start doing some uh, rain catchment for our garden's water system. Found somebody, Jeannie, was uh, looking on YouTube with a sharp eye and came up with some 275-gallon water tanks at a really good price. So I know about four of them this morning. We're into the trailer and ran off and got those all unloaded before the show. So I was listening as I was driving to pick up these tanks, and... It was interesting, the the video started out with a premise that, you know, somebody's going to take over your life, 
and then went from one side of the world to the other over decades with every little piece of information about where somebody had taken over somebody else's life. I mean, just like totally, completely disjointed pieces of information from this time, for, you know, from decades ago to today to yesterday to last week. You know, it just went on and on and on and provided all this evidence for this conspiracy to run people's lives. What it resonated for me was that when someone refuses to be responsible for their lives, yes, there will be a plethora of people who will be volunteering to come in and take over and run your life for you. And, of course, that will look like a conspiracy. (laughs) But when we're willing to be responsible for our own lives, we step up to the plate accountable, willing to be held accountable, willing to hold others accountable from a space of active, connected love, then we don't need a conspiracy theory to collect evidence for to prove that somebody's out to get us. But we need to turn back around to full responsibility, full accountability for our lives and to leave the one world religion of blame behind. It's a universal religion. Virtually everybody on the planet belongs to it. And it's time for us to wake up and take responsibility. And be careful about, because something agrees with the premise you'd like to believe is true, that that evidence is going on in the world. Just an important principle to look at. And then everywhere that It appears that there's a reason for upset. Oh, this group, that group, these people, those people, look what they did, look what they did. Well, how about if you take responsibility for your own upset, your own disturbance about that? You're angry about that. You're sad about this. You're afraid about that. Okay, so take responsibility for your anger, your sadness, and your fear. Forgive it. And all of a sudden, everything starts to shift, and the whole structure, the whole structured output of the mind begins to change. And when we come to a situation as the active presence of love and find there are circumstances in which we have difficulty doing that, then instead of pointing the finger at how somebody else is the problem, come back to what's the work I need to do. Yes, if there are people who are blatantly out of line, absolutely you know, reasonable to hold them accountable, legally and otherwise. But first and foremost, to be willing to be accountable for your own life becomes a real key, I think, in the process. And, of course, the key tool is that of removal of what never belonged, forgiveness. A tool for removing from the mind literally every bit of hostility or fear until the only energy left to fuel the human mind is that of love. Michael there mentioned the word enthusiasm. You break that word down, it means it, it comes from root in theos, theos being the creator, or love. In love, yes, that's where we're designed to live because that's the kind of being that we are. If you look around at the way so many are expressing, it would be kind of hard to tell that that's the basic nature of the human being. But the truth is, 
Sooner or later, each person has to discover for themselves who they are and then do the work of returning to that expression and being responsible for every other expression that would inhibit living as the conscious active presence of love. And that's the direction of this work. That's the work of forgiveness. That, to me, is the crux and core of the work of Yeshua, to really, truly live as human beings, conscious, active, present love. Taking a moment to breathe and be with what moves. becomes another major key in the process of healing. And I was kind of thinking I had more to say about that, but that's, you know, I'd watched, or listened to, pardon me, as I was driving probably 50 minutes or so of this video, and it just was piece of evidence after piece of evidence after piece of evidence, totally disjointed, totally, like literally from one world, end of the world to the other, but it all came to pretty much the same bottom line conclusion. Haven't gotten to their solution yet, but I'll let you know if I do, if there's something there that's of value. And so, Miss Jeannie, have you checked to see if there's anything from the app in the way of questions? Or do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up? Or anything happening in the chat room to be aware of? Well, Bob is in the chat room with me, so he's probably hey, Bob. Down, down under or up over. <laughs> Welcome, young man. Yay. Glad to have you joining us and holding the space all the way up there in Australia. Nobody has a hand up. And we've got 40 minutes. <laughs> we got yeah, lots we've of got time. lots of time. So if you're out there in Listerland, let's have a conversation. Our call-in number, 563-999-3581. If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you, I would love for somebody to plug in and give us a conversation, give us a direction to go with some thoughts, questions. What's on your mind? How can we support you? What's happening in your process that you can no, use support with? I have received an email from anybody in the app. Okay. Uh, but according to the uh, Google and Apple um, analytics or whatever, that all they do is tell me like how many times somebody's downloaded it or used it or whatever. We're up on the app on both, so that's awesome. It doesn't give us any other information, Yay. so everything you do is still absolutely private. For sure. So again, our calling number, 563-999-3581. I've been kind of on go this morning getting the trailer and getting these uh, water tanks, and uh, so it's kind of consumed my morning. So I haven't prepared a lot for today in the way of thoughts, 
questions, answers, ideas. So I'm going to invite somebody out there in Listenerland to give us a direction. What's on your mind? What's your biggest challenge today? Or do you have one? Or what's your biggest solution uh, today? Go for it, sweetie. Switchboard flickered, switchboard flickered, but I'm not sure she put her hand up again, so I'm going to check and see. I know Susan was talking to Dr. Kim. Um, so 610, you're on the air. Did you press one again? I did. You know, I wasn't going to ask you about this, but since you've got 40 minutes and I feel for you, and I do have a challenge. Welcome. Let's go um, for it. Well, it's a, it's kind of multidimensional. Um, I have been I'm still very tired, and so I've been reading about long COVID, thinking, because my GP thinks that's what's going on. I'm not sure it's this new statin drug that I'm taking that's doing it, but I'm unusually without my, I have good energy in the morning, brain fog all day long, not bad until later in the afternoon, but brain fog is another long COVID symptom, and I'm thinking, and I'm still, you know, I don't talk about this much. It's kind of embarrassing, but I'm still very itchy, too. And this is that skin thing that was, the dermatologist thought that was long COVID. And they say some really interesting things. I've been reading quite a lot and listening a lot. One thing they say is often another COVID shot will help some of these symptoms. I don't know how that works. I've just been, I've had my, whatever it is, fourth booster or something because we went to Florida for a graduation and I wanted to be covered. Um, I didn't notice that that helped all that much. I have no problem focusing on my music projects. Uh, Brain seems good, but there's this, I literally feel as if I'm looking through a, a film it's the world has stepped away a notch. It, so I don't even know if that's brain fog. But um, And then quite a bit of negativity too. Irritability, impatience, finding myself judging people. I think about phenylon quite a lot. And I think, isn't it wonderful? He thought, well, at least the work's beginning now. And I'm thinking, well, it keeps beginning and it keeps beginning and it keeps beginning. Um, insecurity, a lot of junk coming up. And that's a lot to throw at you, Michael, but that's the challenge at the moment, and I wondered if you had a thought. I do. You just described having hit a new level of vitality and everything (laughs) is going to get stirred that you need to work through. That would be my take. That's what I hear that all kinds of symptoms in different directions are moving. And, of course, when that kind of energy moves, there's going to be brain fog. And, you know, as far as long COVID goes, another perspective on that might be that whatever this bit of leftover genetic data that they call a virus has resonated in me that I haven't worked through, I'm being invited to work through, and it's going to, you know, now that it's been activated by that seemingly external energy, I'm going to have to work through it. Mm -hmm. And so layer by layer, 
allow those things to surface, be with them, and move through them. You know, I think about, hmm, I'm, I'm working to place in my mind, and I actually am not just sure of the sequence, but I know that there's been an ongoing process for me now for close to a year, and that's about COVID time, when we had COVID, or one of the times we had it. And I'm just not sure, but I've shared, you know, we've talked a couple of times about the experience I had where I was invited by ancestors to process a lot of the darkness that they were carrying. And I'm just not clear. Jeannie, you tend to uh, be more linked into the time track of things i.e. sometimes I don't know what day it is, and she almost always does, of whether that was just before COVID, just after COVID. And I wonder, I'm wondering, which I hadn't thought of before, if that was one of the things that I was being invited by COVID to process. And certainly have been that, that I had that opening, that invitation I think so. And pretty much every morning for me, you know, there'll come a point where <laughs> it's, it's kind of my habit. Jeannie will hear me say, good morning, God. How are you this morning? And that's usually about the point where I'm ready to start moving around and getting up. But prior to that, for a period of anywhere from probably an hour to an hour and a half, I've been just spent my morning breathing, just being with my breath and letting whatever is ready to move, move. Looking at any goals that relate to things that are uncomfortable for me, whether it's something that's happened with an interaction with someone or myself or between Jeannie and I, looking at memories relating especially to the major relationships in my life, parents in particular, siblings, and just working to hold the space of conscious, active, present love and breathe while those things surface. And it sounds like you're perhaps being invited to do a lot of processing. I'd certainly no suggest kidding. that one of, Say again? I just said no kidding. There are layers and yeah. layers I can feel. And, and you know, once you commit to doing that work, as Fenelon says, you know, we don't become aware of our malady until the cure begins. And my take is the more we open, then the more we open. And I know that, you know, I, I look at the years of doing this work and, the you know, some of the highlights of healing crisis that I've had. And I've had some dandies in the last year or two. 
Mm. Probably bigger than any that I've ever had. Yeah. That's encouraging. And I there was a time period where I had quite a bit of brain fog. Actually I was sharing with Jeannie a couple of weeks ago. There were some friends that we had in North Carolina that taught us how to play dominoes, and that's a regular part of our lives. When Dad was here, we'd play dominoes every morning, and we still right. do when we sit and eat a meal. We mm-hmm. sit over dominoes. But I was hearing with Jeannie recently that we had gone to see these friends in North Carolina, and we were sitting at their house, and this was when they were teaching us to play dominoes. And this is, how long ago was that, Jeannie? Is that like maybe 10, 12 years ago? Uh, no, that was before we got married. So, because one of the times we were at their house was before we got married, and Ryan was there, and we had gotten snowed in. Right, that was a New Year's thing. So, it's more like twenty years ago. Whoa. <laughs> well, the time I'm thinking about, I think, was after that. That was early in our relationship, and you know, we had gone to visit them. In any event. I can remember sitting at the table, and this comes to mind often because now, 12, 14, 16 years later, whatever, where I supposedly and theoretically have aged and therefore should be more brain fogged and should be older and more decrepit and moving in the direction of, you know, what the world culture says. But I'll sit and, um, you know, just something as simple as gathering the dominoes, mixing them up to play. And I can remember sitting with these people, and I I hardly had enough vitality. I hardly have enough, had enough energy to reach across the table just to turn the dominoes over. I can remember like it was a physical effort just to turn the domino. I'm relating this to your brain fog because it was brain fog that was right. going on with me and a mm-hmm. just a profound lack of vitality. Mm-hmm. And it was like an effort just to turn the dominoes over and mix them. I can remember like that. It was hard work to do. Mm. And now it's like that and getting up in the morning, going out and grabbing a shovel and working in the garden and planting plants and, you know, turning the, you know, we've now got about, uh, oh, probably 40 feet of compost. It's 40 feet long and, you know, four mm-hmm. Four and a half, five feet wide, and three feet tall, and I, I'm, I'm I'm turning that over just about every day. I could hardly turn over dominoes back then. That's and great. That's amazing. I see that as as process that I was in, and it was tremendous effort. And I can remember when, and, and this is more recently. When I think more recently, I'm thinking maybe four years ago where physically, you know, there are a couple of chairs here in the house that are rather low, so it takes some effort to get up out of them. Mm-hmm. And I can remember when it was like it was like my legs just didn't have the strength to get up. You know, kind of like feeling like an old man. Mm. And now I don't even think about that. But there was that Wonderful. kind of... And and I, I see that now, you know, in context of the conversation we're having that, that you're bringing up, I see that as a phase that I went through in my own healing process. And mm. what 
you know, the energetic patterns and the load that it was to let go of the load. Mm. You know, there's a line in The Course in Miracles that says something to the effect of, you can't be tired, but the burden of carrying the load of judgment that you carry, nobody could carry that and not be exhausted. I, I understand and that. It sounds like you're being invited and you're realizing that you're, you're having to process that. And it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of vitality. And I think that COVID, for me, was an invitation to do some deeper work. It cleared from my lungs a load that I'd carried since infancy, literally since birth or pre-birth, because I was supposed to die from the lung disorders, from my mother having toxemia. That's what the doctors told my father. And it's like the lightness, the energy, the vitality they have today, I've never had in my life. That's great. So I say that by way of inviting you to look at what you're being asked to process and and ask yourself the question, is it possible for me as an energy system to be tired or exhausted? Or is it that I'm carrying a load I don't need to carry and it's time for me to put it down? If I knew how, I would. I do wake-up sheets. Something's not... Let me let me ask you a question, and this is something that you do too, but on a different level, I'm sure. Like the other day, I had to get off the show earlier, and I thought, well, I've heard this speech before anyway, so it's not so bad. What it was, you were talking about how you go into a restaurant and you want to ask them, or you do ask them, do you have any 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 nutrition in this food? I can't imagine actually asking such a question, but you're you appear to be very angry about it and then today i was at costco with michael whose car is now non-functional so i take him shopping and he picked up this huge uh, package of single-use water bottles and shoved it into the bottom of my cart and i said michael we have filtered water at home I don't want to be even seen with these single-use plastic bottles in my cart. And he said, well, I have to drink it. I'm not very picky about most things, but I have to drink this because the taste of the water around here is is not good. And I said, you can use, I have an extra filter picture. You can use it. No, 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 I I need this. said, Michael, I am, I mean, I've never been so forceful. I said, Michael, I hear you, but I am not going to buy those here. Look at this, and I wave to the wall, top to bottom, of single-use water that people are buying by the ton. And I'm thinking, I know nothing. I can't do anything about this. And it, you and the convenience and the plastic is winning and the planet is dying, and I don't want to do this. And he said, okay, well, you're my driver. Would you mind taking me to to Target where I can buy them in gallon jugs. And I said, okay, I will do that. But I found myself so upset about this. And I know you're upset about the soil and the no, food. No, 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 no. You weren't okay. upset about that. You were upset. Yeah. 
Not about that. This is just, just there's upset. If I put my upset mm-hmm. into my brain's image of something. Now, as far as, you know, when I'm in a restaurant, I will make the point, but for me, it's made from the perspective of education. You know, do you have any bread that actually has nutrition in it? You know, this is white flour, and I really am not interested in eating it. And for me, that's about educating people and asking the question. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm too afraid of as offending a, people to dare to speak to people like that, but I, I see what you're saying. You just ask it. As the way, if I were the the waiter, I would probably bop you over the head with a frying pan or something, because it's insulting. But you are coming from a different. You're 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 doing what I did with Michael, even though it makes no difference whatsoever. You refuse to order that bread, and I refuse to buy that water. But. Yeah, I actually had an experience. Go ahead. I'm with you on that one. I actually had an experience of that yesterday. You know, one of the things we've been doing is looking for, we've been going around the area and and harvesting local plants for our indigenous species garden. And yesterday, uh, one of the local, uh, you know, a, a farm supply store had a big, you know, they're selling out thousands of plants and something I hadn't really thought of and realized, you know, as far as the plastic goes, but, you know, they they have these heavy plants and they're in, you know, usually like there's a six-pack of black plastic uh, holders that six big plants go in and it's thick, heavy plastic. And I hadn't really thought of this before, but... They had like 55-gallon drums, and they're just filled with these holders that they're throwing away. You know, mm-hmm. going into landfill. Yep. It's like this is crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I more know. so than even the single-use water bottles. This is like heavy, thick, dense plastic. I'm like, you know, so, and I'd never really thought of this one before. But geez. M- Millions of people are putting millions of new plants. Like we've done, you know, probably 150 plants, and every one of them came in a plastic container that was in a plastic container that was in a plastic container. It's like, oh, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. So I certainly so, identify with you and yeah. hear that. So I, yeah. And I'm well, being called. Yeah, I- if my mind tells me I have disturbance about that, I'm being called to stop lying to myself and recognize that my mind simply has disturbance and I need to clean it up. Or that's, that to me is the load that the Course is saying. You can't really be tired, but the load of judgment you carry, nobody could carry and not be exhausted. Right. Well, I'm still unenlightened about that. You're evidently, even though you can see it, you do not carry the upset in your system the way I'm doing in mine. How did you do that? Next worksheet. So so let's imagine there's the greatest atrocity in the world about plastic, which is horrific. I mean, there are islands in the Pacific Ocean that are the size of the state of New Hampshire, just floating plastic. So can I bring, I mean, and that's an atrocity. That is a 
an assault on our environment that's just outrageous. But do I come to visit that as a being connected to love? Or do I come to visit that as a being to rage and fear and blame? I absolutely if agree I come with you. to it then there's my next piece of work. That I'm I'm at a stuck point with that because I can do that work. I can choose to beam love on the situation and on the people who are perpetuating that situation. But the love isn't love. It's just an intellectual exercise with me. I am nowhere near feeling anything like love. I want to strangle them. So great. So so there's your so. I want to strangle them. There's the hostility that needs to be forgiven in you. What if you were to be able to visit Mr. Hitler? at the height of his atrocities and stand as present love and reach out, you know, maybe holding him accountable by putting him in a prison cell, but at the same time being able to reach out as the presence of love to another human being. Lost in trauma, hatred, violence, and pain. You know, and to Michael, me, that's what we're all called to do. Yeah. And I feel as if I could do that. Maybe it's because I've just read another book review about a Holocaust survivor. Um, Just yesterday in the Sunday Times. So he's a good example because he's right up in my mind. But he's an individual that's obviously in terrible, in a terrible way and needing love. This global... uh, um, numbness and perpetuating it's it's uh, it's i can't get my mind around it the way i could possibly get my mind around one i mean i do that with mr t all the time i think he is me i'm him i've maybe i haven't performed or said or done all those things but they are part of me and i must love us both and I understand that. And nothing can move until that's done. But I'm not I wouldn't suggest you need to love, his, love you both. No, okay. that's not what you need to do. That's still playing in the realm of love as a verb. I don't need to love us both. I need to bring me, the true me, love, to the circumstance that I'm in or I see another in. And I can only do that when I've given up all of the hostility or fear that I carry and each situation that my mind automatically and instantly puts my hostility or fear into, I'm angry because of that is my next piece of work. And, you know, the the depth that each of us carries that needs to be cleared out is made very clear by Francois Fenelon in mm-hmm. what we're going to face in doing that. So what I'm hearing you say is you're being invited to the next level of your work. Thank you. Well, fully is all I have to say to that. 
<laughs> too much. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. I hear you. Now remember that there's this group of disciples with this man Yeshua, and he tells them what they need to do, and they say, "Fooey, too hard a saying. I'm out of here. I don't want to do yeah. that." I don't want to go to that depth. I don't want. I want somebody else to fix what's going wrong in the world. And he turned to the twelve that were left, and the guy who was the ringleader. He says, "Pete, are you leaving too? Are you out of here too? Is this too much for you?" Yeah. And the visualization that I use. The visualization I have found useful, and this actually happened, and it was sort of an advance for me when I had that that opening where I had these ancestors asking for help. The visualization was, am I willing to go stand behind, beside him, sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, and saying, I am here to take on this energy of trauma and process it with you. Is there, How? And, and I'm speaking now from my own physiological experience as I think about that, because it challenges me on another level physiologically. And I'm realizing as I'm speaking to you, and, I, and I'm, I'm addressing that directly, that I can feel another part of my chest that needs to open to go there again. Another part of my there. own core structure that wants to tighten and hold on and not let that surface. When you go there, though, are you just a witness? Are you just breathing? Are you remembering? It's mainly breathing. It's mainly breathing. Okay. For me, it's, it's the willingness to stand there. That's what opened for me in that experience was a willingness mm-hmm. to stand there and then to realize that intellectually I don't have a clue how to deal with that. My breath does. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be with that and I'm going to breathe into it. And there's a space that I can physically feel right now in me that runs just parallel and just to the left of my spine, right back in the very back of my spine and all the way up to the front of my sternum that holds a tightness. That's what I'm experiencing physiologically right now, having this conversation and realizing And I'm right now using my own hands to reach in and open that physically as I breathe into it to let the energy that I'm holding there move that is resonated by this conversation. So as you do this, you are basically opening in order to allow what is happening to happen. Is that and, right? and to open to allow 
whatever I'm holding physiologically to move in me, to open to it, to to reach down physiologically to the next level of opening for that. And what I'm noticing is, even as I say those words, is that my jaw wants to tighten. My jaw wants to lock, which is one of the things that oftentimes when I'm in deep process, that's the place, you know, it's just like crunch. It wants to close up. And, and what I'm are realizing you that. What are you responding to? What are you responding to in yourself about this conversation that's doing that? At this Is moment, it... there's nothing cognitive for me. It's just mm-hmm. physiological that I'm realizing that uh, that I'm just choosing to breathe at a new level, at a new depth to allow myself to access what's moving in my physiology. It's not cognitive. I, could, I couldn't say, oh, there, I have this thought or that. There's no intellectual or cognitive component to it. It's just awareness of spaces in my own physiology that I know I need to open. And if you open them, what, what happens? What nothing is helped by that except you, right? I still have this idea that I've got to go do something like clean, get people legislation through Congress to stop the plastic, or get corporations to. You know, I I took this cardboard container up to Wegmans because even though they've stopped using plastic bags, everything they sell is now not in bulk where you can load up your own bag, but it's all in these huge plastic containers. All the food they make is in plastic containers. And I went in there and I said, might you consider using the way Chipotle does? They have these wonderful, friendly containers. Um, But they glaze over. They say, well, it's a matter of the manufacturers. It's a matter of money. We have no power. And it goes around and around and around. So you're saying you're working just within yourself, releasing whatever it is in yourself, and that is enough. That's the most you can do. It isn't that it's enough or not, but it's the most you can do, and you're surrendering. Otherwise, you're surrendering to a kind of hopelessness is what I'm picturing. The phone line burned out and you disappeared. Excuse me, I accidentally hit my disconnect button there. I reached over and hit the wrong button on my phone. So I'm looking for a way to put into words what is happening. And one of the first things that came to mind as you were asking that question, Susan, was... For instance, one of the things we put a lot of energy and and a fair bit of money into in the last six months is this native species garden. I don't think if I 
had not done this piece of work that I'd have been able to comprehend that and to do what I'm doing in that arena. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I see it opening arenas of understanding and awareness that I didn't have before. And then through the body of work that we're doing, delivering that to others that hopefully open it even further. That makes sense. I have to think that, okay, it's well and good to clear out my own hostility and so forth. Um, So that's very nice, but I feel as if I've got to go out there somehow, and yet the level of of exhaustion and hopelessness, you know, fights against that. So my input would be to, yeah, to forgive so as to come back to a place of openness and softness where that pressure's gone and therefore have more vitality, more capacity, more intelligence to take it to the next level. And remember that, you know, along with there's the, you know, the think globally, act locally. To me, act Mm -hmm. locally is do your own work and Mm -hmm. think globally is to comprehend things on levels that previously were not comprehensible. And that what that does, even if I, if I only ever sat in a cave and did my own work, is energetically, it is an energetic contribution to the critical mass that ultimately is going to change the whole game. It's, it's not, I don't think it's going to come from somebody on the outside saying, ah, here's what has to happen. Mm-hmm. And being able to be a voice of clarity for what needs to happen can't can't occur unless I do the inner work that's required. You know, it's 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 like going back to that statement in the scriptures of physician heal thyself. Mm-hmm. That we need to do our own work to be able to effectuate the critical mass. Someone can come to all kinds of conclusions about what terrible things are happening and therefore what needs to be done, but not converting their own energy field means that Mm. they're not really part of the solution. Right. I do understand that. That's one reason it's so distressing to find myself in this mire of feeling critical and low vibrations and, you know, crab appling all over the place. So... So then the question I would ask is, how did it feel when your power person was hypercritical of you? Because when you're under the kind of stress you're describing, what you're doing is you're repeating the pattern of your power person. Remember when we're ultra stressed, we'll do what our power Mm -hmm. person did to us that we hated the most. And that's the you'd next piece think, of work. You'd think Say it again? that by this time, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, it's another layer of beating myself up because I, you know, it's very tiresome. I remember when I was much younger listening to an uncle who was my age now talking about his power person. He didn't use that word. And I remember thinking, oh, for God's sakes, you're 79 years old. Give it, up. <laughs> Give it up. And I'm doing the same thing. It's not gone yet. It's the work of the ages. 
Thanks for talking about that. I know that for me, the last two or three years has been far more important work than the previous 47. And I went through, I've been through a lot of layers in the last 47 mm-hmm. or eight, 48 years of developing this work. But none of them I as deep feel, as, none of them as important as the last couple of years. Well, I can feel the truth of that for myself, too. I feel as if I've been on a fast track, learning very fast. And when people say, is it worth it getting old and how do you like it? And I'm thinking, you have no idea what, how much is happening when it looks as if we're just shriveling up before your young eyes. Well, for me, it's inspiration and excitement about what the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years is going to look like. But I won't be able to have that 10, 20, 30, 50 years if I don't deal, I'm realizing personally, if I don't deal with what's shutting down my own physiology. And if I keep pretending there's something outside of me. Pogo said it so well. We have met the enemy, and the enemy is us. So I join you in getting on your pogo stick and doing the next level of work and inviting anybody and everybody that's listening today or ever will listen to this to join in moving it forward till we get to critical mass where the whole energy system is able to shift because somebody said, I'm going to do that depth of work that most people have never even conceived of as possible. So thank you, dear heart, for opening that conversation and those questions. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.